Good afternoon. Thank you for being with us and welcome to another episode of Tea to Green Golf Podcast. We are excited that you've decided to be with us this afternoon as we bring to you another insightful episode. Our guest today is Kenderick Williams, socially known as K-Will, a native of Decatur, Georgia, pursuing his professional golf aspirations out of Orlando, Florida. From the Tita Green Fairways, help me welcome Kenderick K. Williams. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I just really do appreciate the opportunity. Um, I, I've been following you for a while ever since I got introduced to you and I really appreciate what you're doing with this platform and opening up you know, doorways for you know more diversity and inclusion in the sport of golf. So I just wanna say I appreciate you and thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. It's an honor for the podcast to have you with us, uh, with us today. So let's just jump right in. Please introduce yourself to the Tita Green Golf Podcast. Who is K-Will? <laughs> thank you. Uh, so K-Will, everybody knows me as K-Will or they can call me Ken, it doesn't matter. Um, grew up, like you said before, in Decatur, Georgia. I am born, bred, and baked here. Love Atlanta. Um, eight years ago, I did pursue professional golf, so I start. I moved. I moved to Orlando, Florida, uh, in that journey. And now, right now, I am a author. Recently, stepped into writing. A golfer, a business owner, and I do some IT work as well on the side. I'm currently living down there with my fiance, soon to be wife, Shadia, um, Shadia Thomas. And just looking forward to the road that's ahead. So from the podcast and from the fairways, we wish you and your fiance the best. All that I can offer you in that space is she is always and will always be right. <laughs> I thank you for that advice. <laughs> little bit off the, little bit off the fairways, but yeah. A little bit of life advice. And so, and so we're, we're thankful that you're here today and we look forward to the message. And, and I had the pleasure of getting to know you. I've also followed you on your social media sites as well. And so I've come to know you as a versatile human being who certainly has the passion of golf as part of his personal portfolio, as do many of us, not just myself, but the Tita Green golf community as well. And so talk to us about your path to golf. Help us understand that. Well, my path to golf, just in its origins, I was introduced to the game early at the age of nine by my dad. And um, it was a little untraditional for us. I mean, we were playing baseball, basketball, football. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. uh, it's just, he brought up an old picture of him when he was 15, 16 years old. He's like, you know, I used to play golf. And I was like, really? And uh, we just decided to get out to the range and hit a couple golf balls. And we both were terrible at it. And, uh, but it was something that we pursued together. And um, in the next four to five years, he noticed that I was starting to get pretty good. So he said, hey, see if you can make your high school uh, golf team. And at the time I was still playing dual sports, but I was like, hey, give it a shot. And I ended up being the number one golfer on the team. Nice. And um, it, it was interesting because I had a choice to make. And at the time it was either basketball or golf. And for a while I was able to double dip, but my junior year I had to make a decision and I chose golf. Um, so that was kind of the origin stories um, getting more into it after leaving high school, I was trying to pursue collegiate level golf, mm -hmm. but uh, I was trying to get into HBCUs. Um, North Carolina Central University was one of them. Okay. Um, but as I, as I, me and my parents, we both didn't see, there was a lot of money uh, going to private schools, uh, HBCUs, and that's something that we weren't prepared for. Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up 
uh, taking a, a back seat to golf. Actually, didn't play for the next four years. Tried to get back into basketball very late, mm-hmm. but I saw that my development um, was a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. So then I tried to catch back up with my basketball development. Blew out my knee, oh. and then I said, "Okay." So uh, I got a real job, a professional job, and slowly started getting back into golf. And um, I was talking to my dad. I had a conversation with him. I said, "You know," and this had to be 2012, uh, end of 2012. I said, "Hey, if I take this thing seriously, like I did with other sports." I think I got a shot at making it. And from there, we just uh, came up with a plan. We got in touch with some really good people. I got access to a coach. Uh, and that's where the story is continuing as, uh, as of right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because for so many of us, specifically African-Americans and other uh, golfers of color, we find ourselves pursuing our traditional sports. For me, like you, it was basketball, it was baseball, it was football. You know, interestingly, I had a high school English teacher who asked me to play golf as a freshman. And growing up where I grew up, it was not even close <laughs> to something I was going to give consideration and credit to. And so it's it's interesting that you did have someone who brought you to the game. Um, the blessing in all of that is, I think myself yourself in many ways we've been pioneers uh because now we have the first t program right and so it is exactly so it is a little bit more more vogue and and i can appreciate blowing out that knee because i've had a a, a number of knee surgeries as well and so that brings us to golf yeah Uh, I, i talked about your versatility and as a human being and one of the things that i want to make sure um, I do as a voice of Tita Green is highlight the human being mm-hmm. as well as the golfer. And so talk to us about your book. For those of you in the fairways, Ken's book is the universal guide to playing golf. And I encourage each of you to Google it, ultimately buy it. Um, it is really a nice read with an interesting perspective. And so talk to us about how you got there, why you decided to write the book, mm-hmm. and, and, and really with the many avenues of the book, why? What led you to that? Right, so I've been in the golf industry, um, haven't been playing consistently for 20 years, but I've been around the industry for about 20 years. And a problem that I was seeing with uh, interested or beginning golfers is that they, they weren't coming to approaching the game with the proper mentality. And I thought that was a huge hindrance of why the game isn't growing exponentially as it should, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, Tiger Woods being in the game. Mm-hmm. So many other golfers of color now getting the the opportunity and the presence that, you know, they should have. Right. So in speaking to a lot of people who look at the game, I, it was just this false narrative and misconception that I thought people were, I was like, where are you getting that from? Right. But when, when you really dive deep into the industry, you see that, a lot of these misconceptions are what people are shown. They're only shown the perfect athletes, the the athletes that you know hit the ball 350 yards, that are on these gorgeous, prestigious courses. They don't get to see the the more human side of golfers. You get to see it in every other sport. It's, it's you get to see basketball players in their pajamas or football players right. just eating at a restaurant, but you don't get to see that perspective or light from golfers. Right. So I wrote the book because one, I wanted to eliminate all the the false narratives, the stereotypes give you perspective from where I came from and how the game should be properly introduced. I didn't want people to think that, oh, if I'm not perfect at this game in the first you know, three to four weeks, then I need to go play something else. Mm-hmm. I wanted to 
get interested in beginning golfers to really start to build a community. Mm-hmm. And so there would be more, you know, people that play the game. Mm-hmm. And I thought in writing the book, it's, it's, it's crazy that you mentioned just how I got the idea. But a friend of mine just approached me um, over the phone and he said, hey, Ken, I really want to expound on uh, my series with my publications and I want a golf book. Mm-hmm. And I said, bro, that's 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 phenomenal like who's gonna write it he's like you are (laughs) i was like oh he said i'm gonna send you some questions man and i just want you to type and he said don't worry about the lift don't worry about it being perfect we have editing for that and and that's how it started and out of it when i was done i was really proud of it i didn't want it to be so in depth where the traditional person couldn't understand it i didn't want to have too many golf terms in there where somebody's like what is this i really really wanted to be just something simple a guide um, that could potentially um, trace into deeper content as I uh, apparently wants to continue to write now. Yeah, so let's do this. Let's let's go from um, some from cover to cover, if you will. Yeah. And when you think about the totality of the book, maybe highlight three, four, maybe five concepts within the book that that you think are important to keep the right perspective. And, and and not be dismayed by the progress that golf requires a starter to make. And I think that's important, um, Ken, because I, I know that I have parents and children listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have teenagers, and I certainly know I have adults. And so I think your book plays to that span mm-hmm. uh, of listener uh, on on T to green, so let's let's just dive into that cover to cover a little bit. Yeah, so one of the first things I, I want to highlight is I expand on expectations and I give statistics about what the average golfer shoots on a regular basis because golf is so it highlights scores a lot, and when people go to the golf course, they have certain scores in their head because that's what they see professionals shoot mm-hmm. and they think they should live up to the expectations. Mm-hmm. But in a part of my book, I actually break down some statistics from um, some research I did in 2017 mm-hmm. and say, hey, the average golfer is going to shoot 100. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're going to shoot yeah. 100 plus. No, no, you know, no. elite golfers can, are, are very few and far between that can shoot in the 80s. Uh, dive deeper in the 70s right. and there's like a 0.00004% of all golfers in the world that can break par. Yes. yes. So it's crazy that we take this narrative that we have to be perfect but with other sports like if you go play basketball you don't care about all the shots you mm-hmm. missed. You're just throwing a ball at the hoop and when it goes in you feel great. Mm-hmm. But in golf you go play you don't you don't think you don't, don't think so much about the shots that go in you think about all the shots you missed. True. And think about how that weighs you down mentally, thinking that you're not good enough. You get this inferiority complex about a game that's probably one of the, the most complex in the world. So I'm trying to eliminate that narrative. I want people to go out there and stink it up. You know, yeah. I hear this, this uh, funny phrase uh, that just came to me. You know, the first part of success is to suck. So it's okay to go out there in this complicated game that requires so many uh, me- mechanisms of your body to work properly, repeatedly, go out there and suck. It's okay. Have fun. Yeah, you know, and, and just and, and just to stay on that and, and really to, to bring it to our listeners and, and maybe in a parallel way, when we think about um, as a student or as an adult and a professional, 
Um, you know, maybe you get a C or a D on that test before you get an A, mm -hmm. right? Because it begins to create that discipline and that commitment. Right. Um, as an entrepreneur, most entrepreneurs will tell you, I failed before I hit success. Right. And so it sounds like you're really expounding on that concept in the book. Yeah, exactly. And I think I even shared like one of my moments where I, I like slipped on the seventh tee box it was muddy and I had a white shirt on, these light khaki pants, and it just looked like I crapped on myself. I mean, I'm gonna be real, and I fell, and the guys are laughing at me. But you know, you don't get to hear about those embarrassing moments. Right. I'm, like I'm human, I make mistakes, right. you know. But um, I, I like to exp I, I like to share those experiences to say, hey, like Ken's like he's a really good golfer, but he's had some some moments where he's yeah. like, who is this guy? Yeah, you know. And it, but you need to have those. It's, golf is just like every other sport. You have to look at it like, hey, I'm a beginner, I'm gonna mess up, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I think another thing I, uh, I really touch on in the book is just how simple we get away from the basics, the fundamentals. And I, I didn't get too deep, but I just talked about three main things. Uh, your grip, uh, your aim, or grip, aim, and I think um, grip, aim, alignment. I actually, it actually said setup, sorry, grip, aim, and setup, gas. Mm -hmm. And we get away from these simple principles but there is some of the biggest part of why, what the direction of our golf ball does. How you grip the golf club is going to determine how you release it. Like, is it going to go left? Is it going to go right? You know, how you hold it, that's so key. But in the course of learning, we get away from that. Let me, let me play on that. And, and I want, I really want your input on this. As I started, my journey as a golfer, um, I heard gas. Mm -hmm. um, but what I also did was I found myself more engaged with practicing than I was playing. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk to the, 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 the fairway community right now about the importance of taking the gas concept and nurturing accuracy, appropriate ball striking as, as, as a, a practice, as a component of growing your game versus embracing the gas concept and going directly to the course? Ooh, that is, that's a deep question. Um, I'll do my best to answer. So in taking a simple gas approach, grip, aim, setup, this is the way I see practice. Practice should refine what you do. When you play, it should be a representation of what you do. I don't go on the course to go practice what I have should have done on the, the practice range or in my home. When I go play, whatever, when I play, it is, it is, a byproduct of what I practice. So I'm not on a course trying to practice. At that point, I am trying to complete an objective after each and every shot. So however I'm holding the club that day is however I'm holding that club. However I'm aiming is however I'm aiming. Set up, same thing. I think people get it, this, this misconception like, okay, I'm gonna go practice and then I'm gonna do everything I did on the range and I'm gonna do it on the course the exact same way. But that's what's so beautiful about golf. Every shot is different. 
You can set up on the range and hit a thousand golf balls all day perfectly straight, but you do it on the golf course, and that same shot might not be applicable to the objective that you're trying to achieve. And I think people, they get upset because they can do a really good on the practice range, but then you get on the course, it's like, things are different now. It's, it's not what I practice. So, so, and I want to piggyback on that uh, as well, but, but what I do want to do before we go there is so to the to the tee to green community, I, I, I'm asking you all to appreciate what K Will just shared, and that refinement comes through practice, not through Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the round, and ultimately reinforcing bad habits. And so, to the community, please embrace that concept. And to your playing partners, please feel free to share that with them or direct them to this episode of the podcast. But let's let's play on how we finish that piece. You talked about the importance of refinement and getting to the course and playing. Have you found that there's a fine line between practicing too much and playing efficiently? So for me, my perspective is whether I'm practice or playing, I need to be reinforcing the same system. So I, I, I always approach my friends who I call them just, uh, just uh, range pros, where they can, they can hit a golf ball a lot of different types of ways, but then when they go to the, the course, they don't have a, a system that they can repeat that mm-hmm. can be um, used for most shots on the golf course. Mm-hmm. So whether you know, you're practicing, I always like to practice my whole pre-shot routine when I'm on the golf range. Yep. So then when I take it to the course, it is like nothing's different. Right. So it's that's like that's what I mean when I say it should be a representation of what I practice. I can hit five golf balls in a row and just fire them off on the range, but you're not taking that same mentality to the golf course. Right. And that's where I, I believe that's where we're, a, a big point is missed. And I think that's why people, they struggle. They're on the course, they're trying to figure out what they're doing on the range and they're trying to do it on the course. And it causes a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the one who's going to give you some tips on the course and Correct. take full responsibility of your whole round that day because I want to play well. Correct. So, <laughs> so it's it's a fine line. I mean, I, I see it all the time. And but what I found is, and I have these conversations with a lot of my friends is, you know, what system do you have? What system can you practice, refine, and ultimately crystallize? when you play well. Because when you play well, that's when you say, okay, whatever I'm doing on the range is working. And if you don't play well, you don't have to uh, achieve objectives on the course, and say, hey, let me go back to the drawing board and let me figure out what I can fix. Absolutely, absolutely. Very good, very, very good. Let's make a, a, a transition um, to, to something that I know you and I are equally passionate about. And today, we know that the game of golf is growing in ethnically diverse communities, Mm -hmm. urban and suburban. Mm -hmm. As someone who may be viewed as a role model and an inspiration to this younger generation, which quite honestly is investing in the game at a different rate than my generation at that same point. What message are you conveying to those young golfers who are coming up behind Ken Williams and, and, and really want to live that dream? 
I would say appreciate the opportunity because it comes with different perspectives. Facts. And for me growing up, predominantly black community, predominantly black school, uh, predominantly black role models, I saw one way of what I thought success in life was. Yes. It wasn't until I was put on a golf course and I had a conversation with some white gentlemen and they would tell me and give me different perspectives on life, business, money, uh, women. I mean, it's holistic. And it's like, I've never heard this perspective before. And now I'm, I'm not saying that all advice is good advice, but it, it widens your mind about potential opportunities, mm -hmm. potential connections, potential relationships that can lead to things even bigger than golf. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at this opportunity to sit down at a table across, across from you mm -hmm. at this beautiful community I wouldn't have had, potentially I might not have had this opportunity if I just saw life as one way. Mm -hmm. I potentially could be stuck in, still in 285, mm -hmm. the circle of 285. Mm -hmm. So with, to those up and coming golfers, yes, continue to pursue your passion, your dream. I, I want you to go and uh, play professional golf if, if you choose, if that's your desire. Right. But also appreciate the journey as well. I have friends and colleagues that, I mean, I am just truly, I thank God for. And it is because of this game. and. How, you know, I, I always had this philosophy is if you know your why, God will take care of your how. There it is. And, and and I think that's what I appreciated the most. I've had a chance to play on golf with, you know, some PGA Tour pros. Yep. Walk the fairways with them. Get their perspectives. I, I believe, I'm now remembering, I had, a, I had a conversation with Sean O'Hare at Bay Hill in this practice round. Yeah. And it was so cool. And I said, Sean, like, you're a regular guy. He said, yeah, I know. Right. But, you know, and we had a great conversation about his life on the tour, how he approached the game, how big family is. And I'm like, yeah. I never would have had this opportunity had I just, you know, stayed in my one-way perspective. Yeah, so I think, uh, listeners, the Tita Green Golf Podcast community, this is another segment that really is worth pausing and having conversation about uh, particularly with children, and, and maybe more specifically, children of color, it's okay today to play golf. And as you've heard up to this point, Ken and I both grew up in communities that were predominantly African-American or ethnically diverse. Um, for me, golf was was less popular than it may have been for, for Kay Will. Um, nonetheless, we both found our way to golf uh, we're both very authentic individuals. Uh, we're both pleased and happy with who we are today. Um, but life has allowed us to, one, remain competitive and expand the arc of life in a very different way that we may have seen that arc of life as, as youth. And so let's have these conversations with our children to empower them to play this sport use it as a leverage tool to be successful at some other point in life, but also use it to create a pathway to life and opportunities that may be non-traditional for those of us in, in ethnically diverse communities. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, so again, you know, twisting again, <laughs> when, when did you decide to pursue professional golf and how did that change your approach to the game? I decided to pursue professional golf when I was uh, in my first, I guess, like real job. And I was sitting on a computer. I had a window at my, in my office and I'm looking outside and I said, I'd rather be on a golf course right now than sitting at this computer. And I called a, a friend of mine uh, at the time 
he's my coach. Uh, and I said, hey, man, how can I make a living at this game? He, like, just how? I said, I, I gave him a number. I said, if I was to make this number, how can we make this happen? And he gave me some perspective. We had some conversations over dinner. And I quit my job and I left. Nice. And it was it was just that simple. Um, the salary I gave away, you know, it was it was okay here in Atlanta, um, actually Atlanta. But I said, you know what? If I'm gonna do something for the rest of my life, I'd rather me appreciate doing it. So I found a way to do it in Orlando. I started teaching. Yeah. Um, I started teaching kids. I taught adults on the side. I worked at a golf course. Um, I was fixing clubs. I mean, anything in the industry. Uh, I was playing at money games. I mean, anything yeah, yeah, that yeah. could keep me afloat. I'd rather wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning, go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night, knowing that, hey, this is a fun life. So that's when I saw how that lifestyle could come to fruition where I could pursue professional golf and still make a living or you know survive without having to work a part-time job somewhere. I said, I can do this. Right. Uh, it changed my approach to the game because it made me appreciate, one, how hard the journey is, yeah. uh, but it also made me appreciate how just simple practice, like, in every other sport I was pursuing, practice and time can help me get to my goals. So it it, it gave me light at the end of the tunnel. It wasn't as big as some I felt with some of the attributes I, or characteristics I could take to other sports, but I still felt like, okay, with me doing this, compounded over time, I will reach this goal. Yep. And that's when my approach changed. And I started to really appreciate what I had my hands on. I started to appreciate my talents and abilities more. Yep. And I started to have this abundance of joy just to get out on the golf course every day. Yeah, and so I like the way we ended this. And it's passion, commitment, oftentimes leads to joy. And I think we just heard that in Kay Will's answer uh, behind that question. So again, another really profound point in this, in this conversation that we're having today. Uh, what I've learned in my conversations with you is that you're very passionate about golfers of color and their journey. As an aspiring pro yourself, talk to us about the highs and the challenges of this journey. Um, I would say the challenges of this journey is uh, being financially stable to take risk. Um, and I got this perspective from a guy, I was actually caddying for a friend of mine. He was playing in the uh, US Amateur. It was the first, I believe the first round I was caddying for him. But he was playing with a guy who eventually, uh, he won the first uh, stage. And I got to talk to him after the round. And I said, hey man, you really had a peace of mind when you were playing today. I was like, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. He said, well, I'm out here and I'm just playing because I love golf. I don't have to, I'm an investment banker. I have multiple things that are going on where so financially I don't this isn't a burden. I came out here, played a practice round a couple of days before, came out here early, had some good breakfast, and I just I played the game as I'm as I practice. And to see the peace of mind he had, I said, Wow, playing this game and not trying to play for money, I believe is the biggest challenge for most up and coming pro golfers. I did a full week. I was playing an event up here in Atlanta, actually, in uh, okay. uh, Alpharetta. The, the event escapes me. But I checked into a hotel, played a practice round, stayed again at the hotel, got up early in the morning, went to breakfast, played the round, played okay, and then uh, afterwards went home. That whole trip, even if though I'm from Atlanta, probably cost me about $400 mm -hmm. with the tournament entry fees, practice round, ball, I mean, you name it. 
And I know a lot of golfers coming up, they don't have that disposable income to just, you know, hey, I want to do this. So let's say you get up your last scraps to get into an event, your mentality going out there is kind of that lack mentality. And when you're playing golf, you're, you're, you're compromising your game because you're doing it to be safe and not playing the game as you see it. So, and that's huge. You, you know, you already go out there with some type of nerves that you'll eventually get over after a couple of holes. We all go through it. Correct. But then throughout the round, if you have a good round going, you will start, you know, talking to yourself, oh, well, you know what, I'm going to lay up here. Or I'm just going to hit iron off the tee. I'm not going to play this game like I should. And I think that's that's a huge hindrance for a lot of golfers or especially people trying to go to the pros. Uh, they're waiting for people to mess up so they can get in instead of just what I call it a take it mentality. No, I'm going to take this. Well, and, and that's such a good point because as an athlete, um, you cannot – have your mind on anything else <laughs> other than competing, right? right? And in basketball, we know that um, being tentative oh, man. leads to injury, right? Absolutely. We're, we're already disposed <laughs> to it, but but if our mind is elsewhere, um, the, the percentage of injury begins to increase. Yeah. And so I can only imagine what that experience is like for someone like yourself or that peer group that is truly, truly um, resolve to being at the first tee, being at number one, and knowing you need to be, and you've earned the right to be there, right. and getting halfway through the round, and 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 kind of external forces start to creep in, right? Because you're playing one way or the other, right? And it, it's crazy that you say that because you're right. Being tentative in golf that leads to you know poor that leads to poor performance, yes. and tentative and tentative in other sports like with basketball. I mean, granted, the first couple, you know, seconds of, a, of the game, you're nervous, whatever, you get over it. Yes. But at the, for me, when I was playing in a basketball game, I look, my opponent is the person in front of me. My thing is I'm trying to impose my will on this person that says they can stop me. Right. I'm not thinking about money. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not thinking about some crazy girlfriend, ex-girlfriends. I'm not thinking about whatever, rent ain't paying, hey. bills ain't due. I don't yeah. care. At right. The, but in golf, your opponent is the person holding the club. It's you. And what's between that head? Exactly. And I think, you know, it's really it's tough to say, but a lot of people that are pursuing professional golf, doesn't even matter your background. You're not, we're not mentally built for that challenge. Right. And what I found over the years is that when I have all the external, like you said, the external forces taken care of holistically, my life is fine. Yeah. You know, life, family is good. We're all eating, yeah. clothes on our back. I play my best, irregardless of what the event is. And I think that's a huge piece in, in regards to challenges as far as getting to the, the tour. So this is important to me. And, 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 and the podcast for me is based on the idea of building community, right. uh, creating inclusiveness in a sport of golf that historically has not highlighted that. Um, although there's been some level of inclusiveness from a player standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about this moment in time, we have a community that um, in many ways is, is progressive, is, is, is highly intellectual, um, in, in, in other ways is financially stable, um, has a network that is near and far. Right. And so as we think about the game of golf and this, this increasing number of golfers of color, how can we how can the T to Green golf community become a support 
to you and your peers as you aspire towards this next level of golf? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's it's one I have a lot of perspective on because I have these conversations with up-and-coming golfers. And I think in our community or the community, not just black community, but the up-and-coming golfer community um, to help diversify the game is that we have to develop uh, systems. And this is what I mean. So as humans, we are built on systems, mm. internally, externally, what, what, what have you. So, for example, with basketball, let's say you're up and coming, you're, you're a kid, you can go play basketball at your local rec center. Right. You know, get advice from the, the older people around the court when you sit down, you get this advice. They can help you, they can guide you. As you get older, you can get developed. They can help you in the weight room. They can help you with abilities. They can give you perspective from right. other pro athletes, people who've been there, blah, blah, blah. And you get, and as a kid growing up in this environment, you know you have experience because it's not your, it's not your experience directly, but it's shared experience. So it makes you better at moving forward. And then as you start to pursue it financially, you develop and deepen those relationships with people so that it's a, it's a, I call it a give, give mentality. You've given me so much over the years. How can I, or what can I do to give back to you? So it's this inclusiveness. It's this, it's this network of feeling, Hey, I belong to this community. My community has my back. Right. That's cool with other sports, basketball, football, baseball. You see that, but in golf, it's almost irrelevant. And I say almost because I don't know the inner workers of every individual golfer who's coming up in this world. Right. But on a a more, a more major scale, that's what's missing. And that is one of the reasons why I decided uh, my uh, journey to golf is gonna be a little bit different. I didn't want somebody to just hand me $100,000. I don't wanna give, take relationship with people who wanna support me. I wanna give, give. That's why I wrote a book. I wanna express my experiences in writing, giving, and then if somebody wants to give and support me, do it by buying my book yeah. or do it by supporting my business yeah. so that irregardless of what happens to me in my journey, I can continue to inspire the people coming up behind me. So it's like one person started this, but he has six people coming up behind them. Those six people have 20 people coming up behind them. Mm-hmm. And it starts to be this autonomous system. So where people used to ask a question, well, where are the um, minority golfers? Well, look behind you. Because we developed this autonomous system where one individual stepped out, did something different, where we can support him in a numerous amount of ways. He can support whether it's through golf or any other platform. And now, now it's just a numbers game at that point. Correct. 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 Very, very, very good. Lastly, how can we stay connected to Kenderic, aka K. Will? Well, I have a few different platforms. Uh, my biggest platform is my Instagram channel. You all can follow me at KWill Golf. Um, I also have my YouTube channel at KWill2407. Um, I love doing uh, uh, golf vlogs, um, just speaking on different perspectives and things I've learned. Uh, just giving some insight. I love reading the comments. I love answering the comments. So if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out on one of those platforms. Um, my blog is still up and running, so if you want to see some content that I posted maybe two, three years ago, because um, I was speaking on some of these same topics, you can definitely reach out. Uh, the website is www.perspectiveistheobjective.com, and yeah, if you want to buy my book, it is available um, on the Kindle app, uh, and it's also available now to be purchased um, by book as well.
And so we are grateful today that we had the opportunity to sit down with a golfer who is very versatile as a person, someone who is as committed to his own golf aspirations as he is those of others in, in his peer group. We are grateful for the time that K. Will took to be with us today, certainly time that he could be using, using to practice and further refine his habits in his game. And as we all say, this is Victor, AKA Five Wedges. And as we often say at the end of an episode, hit it straight from T to green. <laughs>